Well, good morning, everyone, and we are excited to continue our discussion. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about habits, and we've been talking about how powerful they are. Uh, Our first week, we talked about what are we resolved to do? What kind of uh, things do we want to put into our life? What are the things that we want to be uh, come. What, how are we looking at our life? And instead of necessarily saying, I'm going to make a list of resolutions, I encourage you to think about the type of person that you're becoming over time. And uh, last week, we, we really talked about those habits and talked about how we could kind of think small and build those things into our life. One small change in your life making a big impact over the course of time. That's a really powerful picture. And it's something that is true. Today, we're getting into not, uh, hopefully not too much of the negative side, but really breaking those habits. Because we've all had those times in our life where we had that one thing that was, that was difficult, that was challenging, that like continued to come up over and over. And as we've talked about how powerful a, a small change in the right direction can be over the course of time and years, imagine how negative something that is, it, it is harmful for your life can be over the course of years and years and years. So one illustration in the Bible, we're not going to look at this story in detail, but one illustration in the Bible is from Judges chapter 16. And this is Samson who said this, one, or Samson, who there's this one little line in his life that kind of sums up a lot of different decisions that were going on. And it says this, one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. Now pause for a minute and we recognize and realize that sometimes these one little lines can kind of sum up somebody's life, sum up a lot of things in somebody's life. And, and that happens a lot. You know, sometimes we say, you know what, uh, all of a sudden uh, he had an affair and they're not together anymore. You know, things like that. A one line thing can like sum up somebody's life. But we recognize that there's lots of steps that takes to get to kind of one of those one-line destructive sentences like Samson had in his life right here. Actually, Samson went to Gaza, and you think, okay, he went to Gaza. But Gaza was the place where the Philistines were. These were the sworn, his sworn enemies, the people who were wanting to kill him. And so he decided, and it's about a 25-mile tw- a, a walk to Gaza. He decided to walk for 25 miles into enemy territory, potentially uh, threatening his life because it says he wanted to see a prostitute. This is a bold action. And it actually, it's, it's about 55,000 steps to walk 25 miles. Anybody track your steps? Uh, I've never, I've, I'm over 20,000 every now and then. About once a week, I'm over 20,000. And when at the end of the day, if my feet are really tired and I'm tired, I look at my phone and it's like 20,000 steps. And I am like, oh, that's why I'm so tired. 55,000 steps. He walked 25 miles. He didn't, you know, and it went there to, to do something that was absolutely destructive in his life. What takes us to places where over the course of time, we're willing to do things that that could send us in a a terrible direction? 
There is incredible power with consistent action done over time. And that picture of those dominoes falling is something that has kind of been sealed in my mind and something I've been obsessed with thinking about the habits in my life, thinking about if I do one little change in my life over the course of time, what an incredible impact that would be. But we so need to recognize that if there is a negative thing in our life that slowly over the time it has that same power that same power the same power a small habit in a good direction can have a negative one can also have um this past week i was uh participating in one of the best habits i've ever had in my life and i told you about it it was a life-changing decision in my life that i decided to make a regular part of my life uh reading the scriptures and that for me is how god always seems to speak to me God always speaks to me when I read his word and I take that time and I I carve out that space in my day. And that's been a habit for years for me. But this past week, I came across this verse in Exodus 34, 6 and 7. It says this, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious. God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. That's, that's awesome, right? That's exciting. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. When I read this verse, I was excited reading the first part. And kind of like, this is a little bit, uh, this is a little difficult, the last part. And actually, I'm reading through the Old Testament right now, preparing for a series that we're going to be doing in the summer, where we're going to be looking at kind of the old school ideals of the past. And this one jumped out to me. This feels very old school, doesn't it? Feels very old school, the second half of that line where it says, it says, you know what? It, God punishes the children and the ch- their children's sins to the parents of the third and fourth generation? What in the world? I don't want to hear that. But what, let's stop and talk about this for a second. Because really, it's intuitive and we do know this. And, 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 and if we look at this, we, we, we see it play out all the time. Then we do know the first part of those verses that God is gracious. God is slow to anger. God is abounding in love. God is doing things to encourage us along and give us the life that he called us to live for good things for us. That's what God desires for us. What a power those kind of small habits can have in our life. However, we need to remember that there's also those other things in life that can be destructive. They're not just destructive for you. They're destructive beyond you. They're destructive into your family and extended family and grandkids even. And, 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 and it's actually something that you know and have seen. If you have family members or friends or you have one particular branch of your family where they show up at the reunion and you're like, uh-oh, are they coming or not? And, you're, and, and you see that there's patterns that have taken place that have been passed down from one generation to another. There's patterns that have taken place that, that like are clear. It is one of the saddest realities. But the sad reality is, if you, if you talk, to, talk to studies and psychologists and people, pe- children who are abused have a high likelihood of abusing others. How sad is that, right? How terrible is that? And it should definitely, it should break our hearts But the reality is true 
that when there are things like this that are a regular part of somebody growing up and living in and seeing on a regular basis, it becomes oftentimes a part of who you are. And that's, it, it, it's a terrible, sobering thought. Now, we also have to remember, of course, within that context, uh, it's saying, and there's multiple places in Scripture where it says, God is the God who changes destinies of families. Uh, praise God, right? God is the God who intervenes and gets you in a different direction and saves you from what you have known and experienced in your life and forgives you and heals you and sets you free from that bondage. And from those, those dynamics. But it's still something that we have to take soberly. And it is true. That sin and these things are not just like little deals. It's something that, that can overwhelm our life and have consequences beyond our lifetime. Oh my goodness. Be, we, we need to be aware. And so... So... As we think about these habits, it's important for us not just to think about the positive side of it, but also those other, that other side of it. And hope and pray that God can build something in us that, that takes us in a di- different di- uh, direction. So there's a couple of things I want to talk about today. First of all, um, and, and this, is, this is core to the gospel and core to the Bible, that we understand the start of it is renouncing your sin. Proverbs 28 13 says whoever conceals their sin does not prosper but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy whoever conceals their sin does not prosper but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy you know we we at the beginning of the series talked about i resolve i resolve this is the person i want to be i resolve this it's in some ways easier to resolve to like kind of start a new positive habit than to admit the problems that we have in our own life. But, the, but how in the world can you start walking down a road to breaking a habit if you can't admit it? If you can't, if you can't acknowledge it? If you spend time concealing it or hiding it or trying to cover it up? How, how, how are you going to be able to move forward if you can't admit that there's an area of your life that is... That is not healthy. And it may or may not be sinful, but, you know, there's lots of areas in our life or habits in our life that can consume us and take us off track. Um, and so the first thing is it starts with that choice. When we resolve to do something, it starts with a choice saying, I'm going to have a plan. Like we've talked about. I'm going to have a plan and I'm going to say, all right. And I hope some of you have really thought about this. All right, instead of just going to bed, I'm going to pray with my spouse before I go to bed. What a life-changing thing, uh, habit, daily habit, daily routine, or I'm going to pray with my kids. Or I'm going, to, I'm going to get up a little bit earlier, and I'm going to read my Bible to start my day. What a wonderful, life-changing habit. Maybe uh, all kinds of myriad of things that you could think of. But it is harder in many ways to admit our own errors. A way to start would be, if there's anyone that really loves you and cares about you, and if there's a couple of different people that have mentioned the same thing in your life, it's probably something that you should admit that you need, you need to do something about it. There needs to be a change. There needs to be something that happens that is different in your life. 
One of the practices that I have in my daily habit of my Bible study is one of the practices I have is I take a moment to try to observe my life. That's then something, you know, prayer and reading and worship and all those things are a normal part of, of a lot of people's routine in studying the Bible. But I added several years ago a, just a couple of minutes where I stopped and I paused and I reflected on my own life. I stopped and I said, God, where am I? Search my heart. What, 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 where are my motives? Where are my actions? What are areas of my life where I've left unresolved? What are things that I haven't admitted? Are there things that I'm trying to hide from others? Are there things that if somebody found out about, I'd be totally and completely embarrassed? God, what are those things in my life? And um, because I know if I, if I let, leave those concealed, I'll never find help. And so a regular part of our life and our routine here at our church is repentance, is humbling ourselves, is admitting our errors and, and, and those aspects of our life that need change. And, and so that hopefully that's something that we can we can get over. And and really, that word conceal is the pernicious one in this in this verse. Conceal is the one that kind of eats us from the inside out. Conceal. We have this thing that we're, we've concealed because we just, we think for some reason or another that like we can get away with it if we just kind of ignore it or nobody knows about it. But you can't be helped if you refuse help. Um, another aspect of this is rejecting evil. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, reject every kind of evil. Can you imagine... Samson walking 55,000 steps, 55,000 steps. You know, you think, wow, he went to great lengths. But if you think about it, he had 55,000 opportunities to turn around. He had 55,000 chances to say, what am I doing? I'm going in the other direction. But he got to a place in his life where he was willing to keep on walking that road. There is an admittance and there is a, a, a time where we have to say, I am not doing this anymore. God, I repent. But there also has to be more of a proactive rejection to it. You know, one of the, one of the pictures that, that came to me in my mind several years ago and thinking about sin was this idea. I was watching a survivalist show and they were talking about people that are stranded on a raft out in the ocean. You, you know, something like this. You see this picture come up. Go ahead, Titus. Like, imagine being a little life rat. He looks cozy, doesn't he? He looks peaceful. That doesn't seem like ocean waves right there. But imagine ocean waves. There's been points in time where people are shipwrecked and they end up on an inner tube out in the middle of the ocean, right? And I was watching a survivalist show, and it was talking about living, surviving emergency situations. And it talked about being in a situation like this, out in the ocean, stranded by yourself. And, and it painted this picture. And we all understand you're not supposed to drink salt water, right? Everybody got that? Okay. I didn't really realize why. But in the show they described, they said salt water has all these other chemicals and things that the body has to flush out. 
And in order to flush out all of these, all of, you know, all of the stuff in that salty tasting water, your body has to flush that out through urine and, and pass that. And that's how you flush it out. And so as soon as you start drinking that salt water, you will flush out more water than you've consumed and you will become dehydrated super, super fast. But imagine being there on a raft. Imagine looking around and the only thing you can see is water. Imagine that. And all you can see is water and the biggest thing on your mind is you are utterly and completely thirsty. And in your tongue, I mean, when you get really, really thirsty, your tongue is like sticking to the roof of your mouth. And you're like thinking there, like, I got to get something on my tongue. I got to get liquids in my system. I am thirsting to death. I can imagine the temptation to just drink some water would be incredible, right? I believe that's a picture That's somewhat a picture of what we deal with on a regular basis. And what sin really is if we pull the curtain back and really think about it. Is that we live in this world where all around us, there's there's times where we struggle. There's times where we're tired. There's times where there's pain. There's times there are all these things. And many times the draw or the answer of our world or our time is to do something that ultimately is destructive. To fall into a pattern where we say, I'm going to do this to ease my pain in this moment, but we don't realize it's just killing us. It's just killing us. The, the, what we need to do is we need to understand and reject the idea or this idea or notion in our head that this is something that's going to help us. And, and there's been multiple studies over the course of time of how people get into kind of addictive patterns or a habit cycle, a negative habit cycle in their life. And a lot of times there's always, there's kind of like a trigger. There's a trigger moment where it takes you to a place where maybe you experience some kind of pain, some kind of disappointment, some kind of boredom, some kind of loneliness, some kind of something. You have this and there's this feeling or this compulsion inside of us to take away that pain in some regard. And that is typically how people kind of have that trigger and they move to a cycle of destructive patterns and that's how addictions begin and form. Well, all of a sudden I had an argument with my spouse and I'm going to go out with my friends and just drink, drink away my, my, my feelings. You know, and this is kind of, that's an example of how the, a little trigger moment may move you towards something and repeat a cycle over and over. And what you're doing is you're ingesting something that will just cause you more and more harm. We have to understand and recognize that we're going to reject these solutions for our problems. There's, there's lots of different things that kind of put us in a place where, where we we might be triggered or we might go to when we're triggered. It's, it's place, time, mood, moment, and sometimes even people. These are the things that kind of move us in the direction where we go down a habit cycle or we go down a pattern of, of destructive beha- behaviors, like a place or time. Maybe, maybe it's, 
I, every time I go and watch football games with my buddies, I go and I drink too much. It's, you know, it's a place or time thing. It's a setting. It's a setting that you're in that all of a sudden something has changed and switched. And that may like lead me down a path where I go into this kind of pattern or cycle. Sometimes it may be a mood. It may be a mood that you're in. All of a sudden something, I'm, I'm tired. I am uh, angry. I am hungry. I am whatever it may be. And it goes to a pattern or a cycle. And we go to, go to a place that is not a helpful thing for us. Um, it, it may be people. And it may be people in your life. And this is a hard one and a hard conversation. But the reality is the people that are closest to us and surround us the most are really, really critical to our life. We are the type of people, and we should be as a church, the place where everyone is welcome and everyone, no matter what you're going through, you will be loved and embraced and cared for. And we should be salt and light in this world. And we should be people that reach out and connect with, uh, with all kinds of different people, no matter what they're going through. They need a good, healthy church and a good family to be around. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. But the people that are closest to you in your life, the people who you count on day in and day out, the people that like you're investing your life in and you go to in the moments where you're struggling or difficulty, those people should lift us up. And it should be something that you build into your life as something important. But they're, they're, all of these things sometimes can trigger a place where all of a sudden we go down a cycle or we go down a pattern that maybe we've seen before. I can tell you kind of something. I had a realization in my life. There's a couple of, couple of patterns in my life that would take place. And this is an example of kind of like one of these habit cycles that I'm trying to break in my life. One of these habit cycles. I am a little bit of an insomniac. Anybody else? I am a little bit of an insomniac, and I realize when I can't sleep, a lot of times it's because I have a lot of things on my mind, and I'm kind of stressed out and busy. So I'm kind of put in a mood where I'm a little bit, I'm stretched a little thin, right? I'm stretched a little thin, and I can't quite sleep because of it, and that's kind of like a response that is taking place. And what I found my, with myself is what I'll do is, okay, I'll try to go to bed and I'll sit there and I'll toss and I'll turn. And I got an hour going and another hour going and I'm, I can't do this anymore. And I jump out of bed and everybody else is asleep and guess where I walk immediately. And it's not, it's like straight line, not a curved line, a straight and direct line, straight out of bed for the refrigerator. Anybody else, like anybody else, like that's what I do. And then I'm like, give me some stinking carbs. Give me something that will like feel that like I can feel when I eat it. Okay. Like I am going to like, I'm going to down like any, if we have leftover cake or if we have any bread, I am going to devour this all by myself with nobody looking. Nobody will judge me when I finish all of this. And then the next morning, the kids are getting up and saying, where did, where did all that cake, didn't we have leftovers? I'm like, I don't know. No idea what happened. Dad, why are you tired today? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Weird, weird things going on in this house. 
I don't know. I guess we ate more than we thought. Uh, uh, we're all yeah, weird. You guys, you guys got to calm down on the cake, you know? Uh, and, and there's this cycle. And, all, and I've had a few moments in my life where I look back and I'm like, this is a repeated pattern that I've done dozens, hundreds of times in my life. I'm stressed out. I got a lot on my mind. And so it's kind of like that trigger moment. I can't sleep. And so there's something that I got to do to occupy my mind, my pain, my whatever it may be. And like a, a, a bucket of carbs is calling my name. And, and that, that's not a healthy thing. Okay, we understand that. But there could also be things that are even more destructive than that. And other patterns that are more destructive than that. I get an argument with my spouse and all of a sudden I'm going down a different... I'm having a thought pattern in my life that is negative. I'm, I'm doing other things that are negative. I respond to maybe somebody else's negative thing back in a harmful way. I'm ruining relationships, myself, my future, all of these things because I'm in this habit that we may not even be aware of. And so, so it, it, it's challenging and difficult... But we have, to, we have to understand and recognize. And what I, what I recommend to you is start to be very keen and very aware of the patterns that can creep into your life. Be very aware, I, I mean, very aware of the power of a positive habit, but be also on guard and aware of what is your potential uh, temptation pattern. What would send you in a way where you're going down a road that is not healthy for you? You're, going, you're starting to feel that mood creeping in. You're going to go and be at that place. You're going to be around this group of people. You're going to you know, have this, this moment or whatever it may be. And all of a sudden you have to be aware that you could easily go down this habit cycle and, and, and negatively affect your life. I think the core of what I really want to talk about today is, is the beautiful gift that God has given us, and that's the gift of one another. Galatians 6, 1 through 2 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you too may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. So there's this habit cycle that we can fall into and we understand that it's kind of like there's, there's, there's sin and the result of sin oftentimes is shame. Oftentimes the result of shame is kind of isolation. And even as we look back to that verse in Proverbs, it's like you can see someone falling into sin and falling into shame and saying, I'm going to conceal my sin and hide it and not let anybody know about it. And that follows with more sin. This is what happens lots of times. This is kind of how things repeat themselves over and over. Is sin is something that can be isolating. It's harmful for relationships and it makes us feel ashamed. We don't want people to know about our, our, our things going on in our life. And so we want to be away. We want to be hidden. And a lot of times maybe uh, we will say, I am going to hide myself from God because I don't want God to even know about it. How silly, but true. Sin always isolates. 
And that's one of the first symptoms of sin or the first consequences that comes from sin is it isolates us from other people and isolates us from God. It kind of removes us from that relationship being close. You know, and and one thing we need to do to break through that is instead sin should result in repentance instead of sitting and holding on to that shame. Instead of concealing and isolating, we should, we should follow sin with repentance. And repentance leads to kind of com- confession of however we need to deal with it. And, and realization of how we need to handle it the next time. And it can result in community. If we, and it specifically even talks about in multiple places in scripture, confess your sin. Confess to others. Confess to God. Get that out. Now listen, this requires a lot of maturity. This idea requires maturity. And I will say it is probably one of the least practiced commands in Scripture because it requires a lot of maturity. Here, let me explain. That, that as a community of faith, our role is this. Is that we are to be on each other's side. We are to be the support system for one another. We are to carry one another's burdens. But the problem that has emerged sometimes is we've come to a place where when somebody is like dealing or struggling with something, then what we're doing is we are like putting them in a place where now you're isolated and you're away from us because you're struggling with this sin. And we, instead of embrace and carry one another's burdens, sometimes do what sin does and isolate someone. So, so did you hear what happened to that person? Well, we're not going to see them around church anymore. They're going to be isolated or they're going to be rejected or they're going to be set aside because they're going through something difficult. How sad, right? Because that's the opposite picture of what the community of faith should be. When somebody is going through something and struggling with something, they should feel free to say, people that love me and trust me, I'm struggling with this. And we should embrace and we should bear one another's burdens and we should come closer to one another instead of push somebody out in isolation and say, you can't be a part of us because you're struggling with this. The picture requires a lot of maturity. And it requires people of faith and places like this for us to embrace people who are struggling. And be open to to allowing people to be going through things and you're still welcome among us and we love you when you're going through that. So it requires us to sometimes to, to set aside some of like set aside some of those initial maybe reactions we may have when somebody else is going through something. And and instead, the place that we should be is a place where we come together and, and help one another and carry each other through these things. And so, so the scripture really mandates that we are a place of confession and we are a place where we carry one another when they're going through difficult things. 
And I think it is unfortunate that we have now been in a time where people would be terrified to ever confide in somebody else in the church about something that they're struggling with. Out of fear that they would be isolated or rejected. That is not what we're called to do. So here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say something right here. Uh, and and you're, you're going to, hopefully you can be with me in this. We are going to make a covenant together right here and now, okay? This is what the Bible does. The Bible says make, we should make a covenant of how we're going to treat one another and what we're going to do. So I don't know if we should do a little Boy Scout thing or we should do a there, there. I, 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 I don't know. Maybe, maybe a there. I, I, I don't know. But essentially, here's what I want to say, and you can just do this in your head. But I want to say, can we agree, everyone in this room, can we make a covenant that we're going to follow what the scripture says about this stuff? Okay, and so we're going to make a covenant one to another that if there's someone sitting next to me that is struggling with something and they, like, they're working through that, that I am for them. And I will come and I will be with you and I will carry your burden with you and you are not alone. Can we make a covenant one to another that that is how we will treat one another? Can we make a covenant one to another that we will be on the side of helping people not like have to go down that cycle and hang out with friends that would never show up here to like find peace in their life? No, you don't have to be isolated from us. You don't have to run away from us. No, you are in the right place. We are here. We'll carry each other's burdens. Can we be that kind of people? Can we be mature enough to be able to like understand that people sitting next to us might just have some of the bad habits that we are trying to hide from them? Is it possible? Can we be mature enough to be able to like help people really find help and solution and peace and comfort and forgiveness instead of isolation and running away? Could it be that in the past, this is what our culture and our country has, has uh, the trends are, is that generation after generation, as you, as you look, you see like kind of the baby boomers, uh, a lot of them go to church. Then, then down the next generation, generation X, some of them go to church. The next generation, I don't even know, what is that? That's the generation, is that the, what's, what's after that? What? Is that millennials? Okay. Um, millennials, they almost none of them go to church. And that has been the trend. Could it possibly be, could it possibly be that there's been people that are like, I will never show up to that place because if they find out what I'm going through, that's going to be ugly. I haven't figured it out. What, like, who wouldn't want to be a part of a community that is, like, on their side for them, helping them out? And if you're struggling, and you're, if, you're, if you need help, it's a group of people that will be there for you. My goodness. But unfortunately, there, it is probably true that there's been times that you find maybe more uh, genuine compassion at a bar than you do at a church, Right? And that's sad. And so unfortunately, these cycles continue. 
And unfortunately, there isn't help, and we're isolated, and we think we're all alone. And what an incredible, like, evil, pernicious strategy to divide the church is to make everybody individually think that if I ever have something that I'm struggling with, I can't be a part of the community of faith anymore. And so I have to leave the community of faith because I'm struggling with something. What a horrible, horrible thing. And so what this is all about is it's living the life that God called us to, not being consumed or trapped in a cycle over and over where it happens and it affects generation upon generation. It's something that is, there's nothing that can be done. No, it's about really working and breaking that cycle, breaking it. And God really gives us a picture that that is the community of faith that is here for you in that. And that's the plan. That people would be around you and comfort you and help you and not, you wouldn't be in isolation with whatever you're going through. And so I don't know what you maybe have been struggling with or maybe what habit has been going on in your life. What I'd say to you is you don't have to live with that now and forever. That doesn't have to be your destiny and future now and forever. We love you, and you're welcome here, and we're here for one another in these things. Admit that there's something in your life that is a pattern that, that, that is going on. Admit it. Start to reject kind of those same patterns and that same response. Like when that trigger comes up and I start doing the same thing, start to reject that answer for your problems. And let's say together, we're going to walk down this road together and we're going to be here for one another together. Will you pray with me? God, we know you are the God of relationship, of love, of reconciliation. You are the God that is is here to forgive and to heal and to bring us back to you. God, unfortunately, sometimes we think that we have to kind of live in isolation. There's an area of our life that we're struggling with. Or is harmful. God, instead, I pray that we would be mature enough to realize we just de- we desperately need one another. I want to invite you right now just to take a moment, and this may be the moment that you need to first and foremost confess your sin. Renounce your sin right now. I want to remind you of what Proverbs says, a great verse to memorize. 
Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And so right now is the appropriate time to stop and to pause and to say, God, this is something that has repeated in my life time and time again. A pattern, a habit, a a cycle. And so, God, we recognize that we cannot find help if we refuse help. If we run from forgiveness. So, God, right here and now, we say, God, forgive us. I invite you in this time to... Think about one thing in your life where you'd say, God, that's something that I need help with. And right now, admit that to God. Take that first step. Turn around and don't keep going down the same direction, same path you've been going. Turn around and make a decision to do something different. And that can start right here and now. So offer your own prayers to God. Be honest with God. And ask God for forgiveness right now.